0: Welcome back to Astonishing Legends. I'm Scott Philbrook, and this is my son, Rowan.
1: Welcome to commercial-free bonus episode number two of
2: Astonishing Legends. A listener, Hugh and A.
0: Join us tonight as Forrest and I answer questions submitted by listeners for our 100th episode celebration, Arcapalooza. Hey, everybody. As per usual, a show that we had an idea for has gotten out of hand and expanded to multiple parts.
2: It's an embarrassment of mediocre riches. <laughs> but we just, you know, we get us all together talking about this stuff and come on, it's going to go long. That's yeah. what we do. So That is exactly what we do. So, Arkapalooza,
0: episode 100 has now been broken into 100 and then a bonus show and then 100 again.
2: <laughs> yeah, 0.5, 0.07. Yeah.
0: part 2A. So anyway, Tess had put out a call for questions from our listeners in celebration of our 100th episode. And we really wanted to answer them, and there's a lot of them. So we decided that we would just break this out and record this separately from the stories of the ARC panelist. So we're taking a little break from that this week. This normally would have been a dark week, and there would have been no show. So what we decided to do was post this commercial-free show where we answer listener questions with Tess coming on to share the questions with us and moderate our bad over-talking behavior. And so, (laughs) where did you put up the call for questions on this? Was primarily Facebook, right?
1: Yes, I put it up in our lovely and very active Facebook group. And I think we got almost 200 comments. Um, And I also put it up on our Patreon.
0: Okay. Nice. 200. Good Lord. That's a lot of culling and <laughs> yeah. sifting.
1: Well, there was a lot of sub conversation. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, Right. We have questions for the panel, which we're going to save. We'll hear that in part two of Archipelousa, the 100th episode celebration. But for right now, we'd like to go ahead and, I guess, do some of the ones that were aimed at Forrest and I.
1: So the first question is from Dave, and he asks, when you're sitting in Blanket Fortiana Ops Room, do you find yourself looking across the table and saying, we really need an X.'" What sort of X's have you found yourself
0: needing? All right. Firstly, I don't understand this question.
2: Forrest, I, think, explain I, it to me. I okay. think I do. I think I do.
0: I can see that Forrest. I
2: have a different phrase for it though, and it's not generally. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes when we're sitting in here, kind of on the fly, but that's a dangerous spot to be looking for. Yeah, you don't want to be like recording. X. I do
0: understand it now because you're going to say it's your what do you call it? Your button moment. It's or your,
2: well, in a story, it's a button or it needs the hook. Yeah, it needs a hook at the because. End. What we do here is, this is not just a clearinghouse of reports. It's funny, I was listening to uh, Coast to Coast. If it's real late at night... We're getting late. I'll drive home and I punch that up. Always fun driving home from the studio. He, After he we record, sit in the studio
0: for five hours and yeah. talk about crazy stuff, and then get in his car I and wanna, drive home and <laughs> listen to coast to
2: coast. I want to hear other people do all the work yeah. and, and talk about <laughs> crazy stuff. But I've had a few good story ideas from them too. Yeah. And at the top of their show, they do a rundown of like UFO reports, and it's just like right out of Chicago. A triangular light was seen. It had the classic glowing uh, red orb in the middle. Blah, blah blah. So there's a guy that does a roundup. Yeah. We have to do more than that because we're essentially entertainers. We always bill ourselves, and it it is a way to get out of a lot of responsibility. Just Like, we're just trying to entertain you. We're just, you know, we're not journalists, we're not professors, we're not giving a lecture. We're here to tell a story that we've collected together. And And both of our manifestos are still in rough draft stage. Exactly. (laughs) But in entertaining, there are certain elements that have to come together. So I always tell Scott the a story has to have a hook or a button. And when I was working in the trailers, in coming attractions and stuff, you have to find it in trailer writing because it's a short little bit of poetry and there's a little bit of meter to it. There's a rhythm, there's a pace. So I thought of a classic example because we do get to ask this every once in a while. What do you mean by that? So I will eventually let Scott talk. Yeah, I'm, got my, I'm holding my <laughs> finger up. doesn't no matter. Yeah, here. you can yeah. turn pale white. That's yeah. fine. I'm going to finish this. Now, you know, the old uh, horror movie trope, uh, and actually they made a movie out of this. Where there's a babysitter alone at night and it's really spooky and she gets some strange phone calls. It's like, I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to get you. I'm getting closer. And she's calling the police. She's freaked out. The Dispatcher's telling them like, ma'am, try and keep the person on the line as long as possible. We're trying to trace the call, but we need to have more time on the phone with them. And it's like, the tension is building. And here's the button to that story. She gets back on the phone with the police and like, get out of the house. The calls are coming from the basement. That's the button on that story. That is a trope, but that actually comes from a movie called When
0: a Stranger Calls, oh, classic. 1979 psychological horror uh, Of course. So I that just, was the first time they did it, but its yeah. it has become a trope for Well, sure. it's
2: that hook in the story of telling the campfire story about the... Uh, the murdered ghost guy with the hook for a hand. And, uh, you yes. know, and, and this, that's, doesn't make any sense. I know what you did last summer. They, they yeah, everything, Everything's been mined, yes. Yeah, but it's mined. funny. That's a
0: good movie. Right, and, but, and but the idea screen.
2: is that, uh, you know, you go out to the car and there's the hook yeah. hanging on the door. It's like, well, wait, what is he now using for a hook? Yeah. A hand. <laughs> He's missing that one now. He's got to go get another one. Yeah. The idea is that there's some evidence. There's a a button on it, any kind of ghost story. It's, it has to be more than, I saw a mist. <laughs> In my house, it'll look like a ghost. It's like, okay, but what's the story behind that? And here's the catch to
0: this, that a fictional show doesn't have. We are not trying to share fiction. We're trying to share actual stories, at least as they've been relayed by people. Now, in some cases, we might accidentally share something that somebody made up or that was a hoax or whatever. But for us, when we go to do the story, it's the real story. So in terms of finding the hook, the hook has to have happened. We don't make stuff up on our show. So if there is no hook, we're in deep doo-doo. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. That's why we have to ascertain, as Force said at the top of this question, we need to ascertain if there's an X well before we've sat down to record.
2: Even if something is a hoax, we do this research and when we dive down on it, we realize like, man, probably does sound like a hoax. That's at least an answer. Yeah. There's still got to be a delivery there somewhere. Right. And yeah. people have uh, said, well, like, well, you, you researched this topic and it turned out, that doesn't sound real. It's like, well, that's, hold on. One element or one major element may not have been real or may have been a hoax or maybe just really flimsy, but there's all these other connecting bits that turn out to be real. I always think about Polybius. It's like, well, probably not an actual video game that was trying to turn you into a, a CIA assassin.
1: Questionable.
2: Well, there's, you know, there were projects like MK Ultra, and that was real. Yeah. So we've said that before. It's like you start digging around, you find like, wait a second, this is not all baloney. There's a few elements here that usually will give some fuel to whatever the story is. So, yeah, in getting to that element X, again, we're not out to invent something, but we have to find something that's interesting to the story that maybe just, I always like to leave people with a little bit of doubt. Yeah. That's for sure. Maybe it was thing. real, or maybe parts of it are real.
1: Kevin asks, have you ever been contacted and told to quit digging into a topic? Would you tell us if you were?
0: Um, (laughs) I'm going to say the answer to this is yes. He's... what? Yeah. Really? I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to name any names here, yeah. but I am going to say it's oh. a little bit oblique. It wasn't an anonymous person that told us to stop no, doing something. No, that's, it, it
2: was, um, I remember now what you're talking about.
0: We were advised, this is actually interesting for us, and we haven't had a chance to talk about this, especially since all these indictments came out from Mueller about the troll farm in Russia. And this is why I mentioned this. Specifically, everyone knows now they're tied up with Facebook and the manipulation of American culture as it relates to elections and that. That sort of thing, we had one of our good friends who I, I'm not going to say his name because he didn't give me permission and
2: didn't know no, it would also up, be connected to, yeah, which, yeah, which, but you know. he
0: contacted us after we did the Nazi bell and had told us that we had drawn the attention of a troll farm in Russia and well, he, or a
2: monitoring that was uh, station, yeah, of sorts
0: that they were monitoring us and highly interested and what we had to say about that topic. And we're also following the guest we had on the show and maybe even bugging his phone calls, I think was the implication. And we were advised that we would be best suited not to revisit the Nazi bell or or go too much further on it. So the answer to that question is yes, I told Forrest, and it probably is an easier decision for me because I have a kid. I'm just like, okay, fine. We don't have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but by the same token, yeah. you know, it's an interesting story. And who knows what the accuracy of that information is. But the source that gave it to us lives not too far from where these farms are. So I You've I guess said
2: enough already. I've said enough. Well, that's but so the answer
0: yeah. is yes. Besides that... Uh, no, I, that's
2: <laughs> well. It worries I, me a little. Well, that's really the only time that conversation has come up with Scott and I, and it's like, look, it's not two Men in Black showing up with impossibly large and wide smiles and freaky monkey toy eyes going darting back and forth. It was monkey so, toy eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like the cat clock. Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. Don't talk about this. Yeah. How do you cut a steak? You know, <laughs> nothing weird is that, nothing weird has happened like that to us. Yeah. Again, this is a suggestion by somebody we know and, you know, generally has good information and it just makes you wonder. But here's what I told Scott is yes, I'm the one who um, is more likely to be uh, absconded with or, you know, I, I have free time for that. Scott has got a family to take care of. <laughs> He doesn't have time for this, plus he's got a lot of other administrative duties here for the show. Yeah. I could just come back and report what it's like to be waterboarded. <laughs> I'm sure it's not fun. But the idea is that um, I'm not that worried about it because we're, we're not a conduit for any information that anyone else could not readily get just off the internet, yeah. which is what we did. Look, we talked to a journalist, but he's Yet. been interviewed before. Yet. well, I, there was...
0: I, I continue to think that if we continue to do this, we are – in a lot of ways, like coast to coast, going to start hearing from people that have information that is not readily available by those other channels. So that I think that'll be a new. Well, point it'll, it'll be of, you know concerns.
2: it'll depend on what it is, and certainly we are savvy enough. Scott and I have read and uh, watched plenty of spy movies <laughs> to know exactly <laughs> what really works and how how this all really works. Yeah. No, actually, we're savvy enough to know where some sensitive things areas are and not to poke into them.
1: If you have any sensitive information, send it to AstonishingContact at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your stories.
2: <laughs> nice. Yeah. Thank you. Let's not get us all uh, black hooded here. Oh, it's okay. We never check that. yeah uh, That's right. Like, we do read everything. We just <laughs> I do. No, I know. I'm it. joking. We do Tess read, reads we, everything. We yeah. read
0: everything about three weeks to a month after Tess.
2: We see the notifications. We I skim it as it comes in and I'll file stuff away, And yeah. but actually getting to it and trying to formulate a response, that'll take a while. Yeah. No, the idea though is that we know where the areas are not to proceed. Again, we're not a journalist trying to fight for the truth and publish a book and expose stuff that could be potentially dangerous. It's really stuff that anybody could find. It's out there. And we're not espousing any one political bent over another or any secret information or revealing any secrets, really. But that one was, yeah, for that technology, that device, if that is a real thing and it's being worked on and it has the potential to change the world, and how we all utilize energy, there are levels far beyond us yeah. that are much more in play. Well, many books have say. been written on it, so it's... Yeah, not, I mean, yeah. you don't know, saying like, we're just telling you about little details here and there, and we interviewed somebody who is a journalist in that area who's still alive and functioning... Uh, you know, okay. uh, right. He's no not been, redi- yeah. Uh, he's not been skirted <laughs> off to a secret <laughs> facility, you know, somewhere in the Balkans. So I think we're fine in that, but we do take it seriously. And that's about it though. We do pay attention to that kind of stuff.
1: So the next question comes from Elizabeth. She wants to know what's the most difficult or challenging subject we've ever researched.
2: Well, I'll tell you right now. Scott is going to say the one we just did, Giants. Yeah, I <laughs> got to be honest. He was exhausted by it.
0: It was too broad. I think I'm happy with what we delivered. It's your it. own darn
2: fault, though. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, not really. So suddenly, I'm yeah. all alone here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm the only
0: one who made the decision. But um, no, that was uh,
2: uh, what it was. Is this happens a lot? You think of something, and then boom, it just unfolds into this um, cascading waterfall of information and story leads and. And this and that. And that's great because the opposite of like, no, this turns out to be nothing. You no, know, yeah. that's what you don't want. But we let this one run wild. I think we did a fair job of culling it down into a, a thread of the idea. But what Scott's getting at is like, just don't it's say- too broad. Yeah. Ghosts, UFOs, we're yeah. doing everything on them. It's like, no, no, you pick a, an incident or a storyline- Within that subject, and uh, you study just that. Yeah, Rich oh, what, Adam was
0: like yes. um, a three-part series on giants. He's like, "What's next? The Tooth Fairy?" I'm Like, <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's, well,
2: uh, <laughs> no. See, that's a good idea because that's one singular it would thing. We can look into. Yeah, yeah, at least
0: it's just one dude, right? Or it's girl. Not, <laughs>
2: well, you're not doing like all. There's oh, a lot. Yeah, no, exactly. On it. And I,
0: right. I've been actually rattled about the whole Tooth Fairy thing ever since I said Teen Titans Go did a really disturbing episode on it, which my son oh. watched, and then it's horrible. But yeah. anyway, well, that's you know <laughs> horribly and, entertaining. That's
2: the idea. Were you're doing one fairy, not all pixies, fairies, and sprite peoples. Yes. Which you could. You just have to... Um, you have to narrow it down. A you bit. have to narrow it down, and what we've realized over our evolution is that the, just because this kind of happened organically, we never set out to do, like, let's do a show that's got four parts that are each two and a half hours long, and yeah. uh, really exhaust this thing so everyone's tired of it. Yeah. That certainly <laughs> has happened, but to varying degrees, but what's happened organically with us is that Scott and I are info hoarders and junkies. we just just love little bits of everything we could find and digging for bits that no one's ever heard of that, especially that surprise us. And in the course of that, you end up with a lot of stuff that you then really have to pare down. But how do we keep being unique? Mm-hmm. Is it just getting this all down into 22 minutes where you're just seeing all the same bullet points that everyone else does? Yeah, that's what you know. we don't want to do. Right. And there's ways to present that too. I'm not saying that that's a bad format. No. Because I love hearing about stuff that way as well. Just give me the highlights and tell me what this thing is. And doing it in an entertaining manner, that's harder to do. But the way that we've evolved organically is to just really like look at everything. And yeah, that's to the, find the, that's story the Cliffs
0: it. Notes approach. Yeah. We're the full classroom textbook on it. Or we try to be. So,
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: What about you, Forrest? Do you have a most difficult
2: one, or is yours giants too? Oh, uh, the one for me that was a lot of like heavy lifting for me personally is, and because i I'm the one who suggested it was Henry Plummer, and I know you that know, would have been my runner up by the way <laughs> for difficult yeah, <laughs> well, here's the deal. What was happening is that Scott was on vacation enjoying uh, his free time, yeah, leisurely lounging with his family as he deserves to. Thank uh, you. And as they deserve to as well. But I knew that he wasn't going to look at anything, and I had three or four days to really whip this up into shape because when he came back, we were going to have to hit the ground running. That was also a forest special. Like, you really wanted to do that.
0: I was a little trepidatious about that one because I wasn't sure that it had the X,
2: the hook. <laughs> well, it's, uh, so no, it, here's the, the idea of our show is that, you know, I always say this not to corner us into anything uh, that we have to adhere to. It's really anything that we find interesting that we would like to share and learn more about ourselves. It is a bit indulgent. If we had heard about something all our lives and want to know more about it, because I can tell you, when we get done, it's like having a computer problem. Like you may not be a computer savvy person, but like you call tech support and you're on the phone with them for eight hours over three days, you will know that problem up and down. You'll be like a mini expert about it. And when we find a topic, I'd grown up and and heard about him. He's kind of in my region there. And uh, I knew that there was, um, Um, I I knew that the, that's nothing. (laughs) I said that during the show. He's a regional legend of sorts, but not a really well-known one, Mm -hmm. unless you get really into that area in Montana where he lived and, and did his deeds. You know, I want to know more about him, and Scott Dirty was... Dides, done dirt cheap. Well, they're not dirt cheap, because there's, uh, at least by today's standards, 14 to $20 million. Yeah, yeah. That was hard. All along, I had to convince Scott, like, there was something to this. Well, that like, the hook is that there's a I missing like, no, there's treasure. There's no mystery here, man. Well, I don't get it. What's the mystery? Well, <laughs> well, there's, no there's mystery. A, I, hey, we had yeah. a
0: few emails that agreed <laughs> with me. Yeah, and a lot more that appreciated us. Well, that's a couple of things I want to say. By our metrics and all the stuff that we look at, it is one of the more popular series that we've done. And the other thing I want to say is that Forrest and I, were a team and we had a lot of debate about it before we greenlit it. Yeah, we always and, usually do. We have to be on board. We have to be on board. And once I committed to being on board with that show, I didn't care how hard it was or where it was going, we were going to get it done and do the absolute best job we can, which is how we approach every show. Mm-hmm. So it, that one was hard, though. Giants is fresher in my mind because it was just so explosively huge and so much more pervasive as an idea than right. I had thought it would be. Right. But it was a difficult... And like you said, well, I was off for several days in the beginning of it, so it was yeah. tricky catching up. There are some other a lot quest- of history.
2: Yeah, exactly. There are some other questions I could see on our list here that will kind of touch on this, so I think it's a good setup <laughs> to explain this, is that. Where do you start? it's like, well, you start on the internet and you start looking at web pages. And then it, this takes time because the more articles you read, you can start to see a lot of commonalities popping up. And then, you know, it's just funny because Rich him when he first sat down with us, he, we were talking about the show and he's like, so uh, you guys do a lot of mysteries. So what was like Henry Plummer? That was a non-mystery one. There's no mystery. <laughs> it's like, and I get a, a smirk from Scott. It's like, see, I told you, there's no mystery. he doesn't think there's any mystery to it either. You know, the original thing was that what I knew is that there was buried treasure. We certainly love buried treasure and missing treasure stories. Indeed, He's a a notorious highwayman, or was he? And as you start to do the research and you realize like, oh my gosh, we're hearing the same things over and over, then you start to peel it apart. It's like, wait, not everybody agrees. You find another angle of research where it's like they believe none of those stories about him were true. He was a decent dude. He just got mislabeled. And ended up on the wrong side of history. It's like, really? Is, is that true? Yeah. And so that's one where we really had to find our line. Like, what do we believe about this? And uh, we found a couple of great books, Frederick Allen's book, and between the, uh, the opposing viewpoints, My f- yeah. find the real story here. My favorite part of that was learning about the origins
0: of vigilantism in the United States. And it's, the whole, yeah. like, the underpinnings of that and the idea that during the gold rush, before local government was established, it was really a free for all, and the people had to take care of themselves. Like all that part of it was super fascinating to me. Yeah, because was it wasn't. Really it
2: wasn't just there. That's the story of the entire American frontier. Yeah, just um, really amazing stuff. Yeah. So anyway, that was one where that was really tough to get going, and, and but Scott brought it home as soon as he got involved, and I could kind of prove to him that that you know this was going somewhere. That like it, it was a biography of somebody who's. An interesting guy. And, and there were a ton um, of
0: hangings. I mean, it would make an amazing movie. I cannot believe that it hasn't been adapted. His, yeah. His story has that's,
2: that's one where everybody it's says, it's film. like, I can't believe that's a Western. And I know that not everybody is really into uh, American mm. Westerns, but it's the story of a life as interesting as anyone else you'll, you know, generally read about.
1: All right, this one's kind of a long one from Jason. Okay. So he asked me to do my best Barbara Walters impersonation, which I can't do, so I won't. But <laughs> I oh, appreciate man. it. I or was maybe
2: maybe, maybe Jason <laughs> was doing. He <it> says <laughs> I'm doing his. You best have Barbara a wildly Walters. successful. Okay, <laughs>
1: You have a wildly successful podcast. Mad Scientists, are Strange Skies, Not Alone, are just a few of the amazing spinoffs the podcast has inspired. You've created a community of rabid fans who now have a safe space to geek out over their paranormal obsessions. You would have to agree to some extent that you've achieved a level of success that is beyond anything you were imagining when you first started. My question is in three parts. One, how has your success impacted your life? Two, what would you have done differently? And three, what new venture on the horizon is the most exciting for you?
0: All right. (laughs) We're going to have different answers here. So Uh, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh, You go first. All right, so how has it impacted your life? And he went on to add from just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I would say it's been a huge, huge impact for me because, you know, it still feels strange even calling it a career, but it's a second career for me. I lived a whole lifetime, long, complex career of editing television commercials, working in New York City and Los Angeles and being in these edit bays with these ad agencies, a whole different life. And... I kind of walked away from that when my son was born because I wanted to spend time with him and my wife was working as well and earning more than I was anyway. So I stopped working for a while, which and my work was based on my reputation and the work I had previously done. And so when I walked away from it, I was letting my reel, it's it's like a resume, which is all the stuff that you've recently edited. It gets stale and old, and I'm also getting older. (laughs) And stale. (laughs) stale. So um, I knew that coming back was going to be difficult. And also, I enjoyed my career. I have a lot of great friends that are still doing all that stuff, and I'm very tight with all of them. But I was also ready to do something else. And technology had changed that career as well. The barrier to entry had gotten a lot lower in terms of the cost of equipment and Just all these things, it was kind of a deteriorating business to be in, at least for me. So I knew that I needed to go back to work. And as my son got older and was in school more during the day, and I still like to spend a lot of time with him, though, I'm very attached to him. We're best friends in a lot of ways. And I wanted to do something that would allow me to be creative because I really enjoyed that aspect of my former working life, but would also allow me to spend time at home and be my own boss and then also pay the bills because I needed to uh, bring in some income and this show has just started doing that. It's just gotten to the point. There's two of us, so aside from our overhead for things like post production and all that kind of stuff, there's only whatever comes in. We we got to split what's left over. So we need it to do okay to support two grown adults making a reasonable income. And we've we've only just gotten to that point. So that's been a huge thing for me because this was a blind experiment. We had no idea. Podcasting itself is still so young. But even when we started. You know, even though Jim Harold had been around for years and seemed to be making it work, but he also is doing like 50 million shows a week. I don't know how he does it. (laughs) But um, (laughs) we weren't sure that it was going to work. But I was in a position where because my wife was still working, I was able to take a gamble on it for a good year and a half, at which point we had absolutely no income. And Forrest was working full time (laughs) while we did it. And now we're both full time doing this, and it's a decent gig. It's not making us rich, and I don't know that it ever will, but we're supporting ourselves, and that's a big change. And I get to decide more or less when we start and stop, aside from which is why we're always out here till midnight, but like (laughs) I, I mind it less when my son's asleep. So that's kind of how that all works. In terms of what we would have done differently, I can't say a whole lot. I think we have done the best we can with it. Our main goal was when we started out, was to try to come out of the gate as polished as we could, just from the get-go, because we felt like you'd never get a second chance to make that first impression. Although I still cannot now go back and listen to our super flat,
2: high-speed talking, rambling performances in the earlier episodes. <laughs> you you have <laughs> to realize uh, when you first start with a co-host or partner, yeah, and it's the very first time you're on mic, you spend a lot of time like, do I look at you? Yeah, do I look At my screen. Yeah. I look at the wall. Now we don't even think about that stuff anymore. But we
0: still have things that we work on. The good news is we're both aware of them. Uh, You know, filler language, like I just said, you know, when I introduced the phrase filler (laughs) language, you start thinking about all that stuff and then you start to get better at leaving it behind verbally. And so that stuff is good. But I, I wouldn't change anything that we've done so far. And for the last part of the question, new venture on the horizon is most exciting. Honestly, there's just two part answers for me. One is I like the fact we're getting on the road a little more. We can't do it a lot just because of restrictions. But, you know, this year we'll be in Atchison, Kansas for the Amelia Earhart Festival, courtesy of Chasing Earhart. Also, it looks like we're going to the Kent Paranormal Weekend in Kent, Ohio at the end of April. We only just recently signed on for that. We're looking forward to that. And uh, Jim Harold's going to be there. We want to really want to meet him in person. So we're excited about that. And so doing that is fun, getting on the road a little bit more. And then the other thing is that I'm excited about is we are developing another show. And that one's the kind of a secret thing. It's not going to be like this one. So don't everybody think it's going to be another Astonishing Legends. It's something entirely different, but in the same vein. And we're kind of doing that on the DL. And as it gets more developed, we're going to workshop it in Patreon. So our patrons can help us shape it and try to get it into something that's working really well. So I'm very, very excited about that, even though it's hard to find the time to work on it quickly. It's a slow-moving
2: beast, but it is moving, and that would be all my answers to Jason's questions. (laughs) (laughs) All right, quickly here. Well, first of all, thank you, Jason, for uh, the nice wishes and thoughts here, because uh, it's really hard to kind of wrap your head around someone like yourself even thinking we have a wildly successful podcast (laughs) because (laughs) that's true. you just do it you know it's you're looking at your own eyes i mean we do keep track of where we're at stats wise and and how well we're doing and i always would say realistically we're a mid-sized podcast there are certainly ones that are 10 times bigger that are making a pretty decent livings for the originators the creators and uh, a few other employees yes that they brought on, and we would love to eventually get there one day. Yes. But it's is still, uh, you know, in a lot of ways a seat of the pants thing, but we're past the first bumbling stages, I think, and uh, kind of the figuring out where we need to go and what we need to do. Now it's just a matter of getting there and fine-tuning, so going back to the previous full part of the statement... We're really glad that we could pull in a lot of people that are like-minded, and we just said this in a group text, or I did yesterday, thanking everybody who's participating in Arcapalooza and spending their time with us. They don't have to do that. They have their own jobs and families and their own podcasts. They don't have to <laughs> participate in any of this. Tess doesn't have to do any of this stuff that she does or, or volunteered to begin with. They do it because they like this subject matter. They like the idea of what we're doing. So I'm very grateful that it's all come together and just people that have come together to join in this grand experiment or just a mid-level <laughs> experiment, you know, it it it, it's just the fact that, yeah, we've all kind of come together and it is a bit of a community and we, it's meant to be very interactive. And I would love to, uh, seeing something down the line or what would be on the horizon for me that I would love, and this is a lot of me personally and just how I work, getting this really fine tune and efficient the way I do it so that... It's not so sporadic that I do have more time to get in with a Facebook group and interact with people and answer letters and this and that. And we're trying to do it. But again, that's a difficult transition for me personally, because where I started off, getting back to the first part of the questions here, <laughs> it is uh, what I envision with this is that I work freelance for probably the last 20 years, almost, since about 2000. And years before that, I had kind of a regular staff job in post-production. And then the last, you know, 17 years or 18 years here, I worked freelance on corporate media and uh, corporate events with a lot of great people. I had, you know, the best time with some of the greatest people I've ever worked with who uh, a lot of them are still friends. But that was kind of just doing job after job after job. It's not what I would call a career. I did not see myself advancing towards like a producer level or an executive producer level where I'm in charge of these projects and I'm steering them. It's like, well, I'm doing my part here and the the pay is decent, but it wasn't a career. And as we transition here, and thank goodness, it's just all kind of kismet where Scott was able to do as much as he did while I was working during the days. Yeah, that, and that then, panned out. Right. And then when he's busy with family stuff, I'm able to jump in and do my bits in the evenings and on the weekends back when I was working. That timing worked out so Luck. well. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of it was just happening. Everything's connected. Everything's connected. Well, it's you kind of makes you wonder if this is not happening for a reason with at least with us personally. We're glad we can entertain people, and certainly that's a huge joy for us. But the payoff for us personally is that well, here's a little strange thing in how you view yourself. I did fill out an eHarmony profile, and you have to, oh, yeah, of course. you have to, you have to state they sponsored us. so... Yeah, that's one of our sponsors. We're like, like, all right, let's see what happens. We got to drink the tea. Yeah, you know? well, hey, well, I do. You can, you can just, you just got just, yeah, get a I'm Fun at me, yeah. So, 25 uh, years. But you, you, when you fill out your profile, of course, the biggest thing is, like, what's your profession? It's like, what is my profession now? It's like, is it podcaster? And I wrote that in. It's like that is so strange. Like that's, I. I guess that's what I am now. I'm not sure if that's actually Us helped. everybody else. <laughs> so I probably, Everyone in the world. Yeah. That's probably why there's not a lot of action on there for me. And it's like, ooh, podcaster. Yeah, I am. No. Podcaster. No. That doesn't sound very Mom's stable. Mom's basement.
0: It's, uh, at least you have your own Well, body. that's,
2: but, that, but that's, <laughs> that's the point is when you start out, you know, you have to decide what you want to do with this. But I know what we've done. And, and they will ask like, well, how do you get to this point? It's like, well, look, you all start off as kind of a time consuming, expensive hobby, and that's fine. If that's all you want it to be, and you just want to get together with your friends and research and talk about cool stuff and put it out there on the internet for people to enjoy at a pace that's good for you, that's totally fine. If you want to turn this into a full-time job, then you will have to do things extra beyond that. And it's going to be hard and you're going to have to get past that point. And for us realizing, you know, when we first started, it was just an idea to like, we love talking about this kind of weird stuff. We love you know, looking at articles and discussing it between ourselves, I think we could make a show into that. Again, we come from media creation backgrounds. It's like, I think we can do this. We certainly have enough knowledge that there's not a lot of ramp up time for us to get up to speed because we knew what had to happen, like post-production wise. We were more probably video, but audio is certainly a large part of our training and and work. So we knew what we had to do to be professional about it. And that's, we're used to delivering professional quality stuff. So it's like, that was our aim. You know, we stumbled here and there and because there's a large part of it where you're, yeah, but but we didn't fall down the steps. (laughs) (laughs) Slippery. (laughs) Yeah. The way that tested. Only the Uh,
1: grades can do that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So that was the idea is that we knew that we wanted to create something good and make it as good as we could, but we weren't sure where it would go. And so it's been a great personal boost to see that with a lot of hard work, we can turn this into something that, you know, right now it's kind of approaching, you know, where I could support myself. So it's uh, it's getting there. We're still working very hard on it. And, and kind of the final part of that is what we would have done differently. I think maybe worked for a whole year and got a bunch of shows in the can already pre-produced, but it would have delayed us another year. And yeah. so it's a nice idea. Like you just get everything done for the whole year and then just release shows. That's and what then, drama shows do, a lot of them, including yeah. our friend Chelsea over at Deliberations. She yeah, puts she's the whole able, thing in the she, can. She and, is able to do that, but yeah. also she intersperses it with fresh interviews and uh, yeah. guests, which are happening live. Like her subject now is very timely, especially with media and stuff. So she's able to intersperse that. It's a ton of work. I don't know how she does it. Yeah. My hat's off to her. I couldn't get that all together myself. But really, yeah, it's been a great joy that it's whatever you want to make it. It's However much time and effort you want to put into it, that's the fun part and the unknown and the scary part and, and really the fulfilling part. It's all mixed into one. It's whatever you make it. So what's the new venture you're excited about? Uh, just getting this show, do- <laughs> this, episode. <laughs> this, this episode, this show, what we're doing, our yeah. daily jobs into something that resembles a working model. Because again, this is me personally. It's like, it's just all over the place. Yeah. It's we're like, a bit
0: overworked in terms there's of time a, there's, management. There's, yeah, there's we're getting a,
2: better. You but. know, Tuesday morning there's folding laundry and then lunch and then I work for an hour and then it's like, oh my gosh, it's 1130. Yeah, And I got spots to write or this, I got yeah, to read this. It's just. It's really fine tuning this so um, it resembles more of a job with regular normal hours and we enjoy mm-hmm. more of a regular personal Yeah, I'm life. excited about that too. Yeah. So we're, we're getting there. But again, Scott's much better at it than I am. It's coming from a structured world where you show up and you have to deliver because people are waiting on you. I'm my own worst boss and my own worst employee. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard to really whip that into shape and get it to a point where we can watch a movie in the evening and not feel bad about it. We'll still watch the movie. i yeah. I just feel bad about yeah. <laughs> it. Yeah. That's where we're at. Nice.
1: Okay. This question might be a little intense, so we'll see how it goes. But John wants to know, the guys always mention how everything is connected. Going along with that, what do you guys feel is that holds the threads? I know that's a big question, but how interesting is that idea?
2: <laughs> well, pretty interesting.
0: Well, this is obviously <laughs> pure conjecture. There's no way to know
2: what's holding the threads of
0: Well, it kind of, of well, now we're, well,
2: now we're heading towards the big chestnut of faith here. Yeah. What do you, because what do you believe? What, what do, you do you believe? Where does do your you faith in? put you? Yeah. And
0: do you believe that it's all connected? Or is it all just coincidences and happenstance? Um We've talked about doing a show on the the whole Matrix idea, the idea that Elon Musk believes, and I think Carl Sagan might have even suggested it. I, I should probably not invoke his name. But the, yeah,
2: because I think where Elon was going with that, at least the brief interview clips that I've seen, is that you could be a simulation right. for a future advanced generation or civilization that is – We're basically Sims. Yeah. (laughs) The game, if you don't remember that. Yeah. You're being played out in these scenarios that we're being toyed with. And again, that goes to Charles Fort, where he came to believe that we are part of someone else's experiment.
0: The connections that appear or seem to have appeared, at least in the stories, the common ground we found in the stories that we've covered over the past couple of years, the only thing I can say is that the connections to me do feel real. But, you know, metaphorically, it's like a group of strings that all come together and disappear at a vanishing point, and I can't see what's at the other end. <laughs> That's, Tess is giving and, me a thumbs up on the sky and camera. Then close, yeah. And scene. And scene. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Sorry, Forrest. This is for Scott only. Oh. Cameron wants to know outside of your Z, what's your favorite Japanese sports car?
0: Ah, yes. Well, Cameron is specifically referring to my 1990 300 ZX Twin Turbo, which I have had since 1993, I believe. That's older than me. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't remind me. (laughs) The car, I was so excited about that car when it came out. And I remember when I got it, I was at the time I was a member of the first entertainment federal credit union, which was a credit union here in California. I was living in California back then. There was a guy that helped you buy your car, which was awesome. He like found the car and all and then he just called and said, All right, we're gonna go look at this one. And I remember him telling me All right, they're gonna bring it around. He's like, I'm still negotiating on the price. Whatever you do, don't smile. And when they brought that car around and I saw it, I had to fully turn my back because like, I couldn't not smile. I was so excited about it. And I've had that car ever since then. I have modified it extensively, although you can't tell it by looking at it other than the wheels are a little different. So it is a fun, fun car to drive. I am a huge fan of it. Next to it... That's a two-part question. So the first part for me, it's (laughs) not a two-part question, but for the answer is for me. If you're going older, it is the seldom-seen Toyota 2000 GT, which is a very, very rare car. They run about a million dollars a copy right now. It's really cool. I would love to have one of those. I've never actually seen one in person, and I've been to a thousand car shows and museums. Unless there's one at the Peterson. I don't think I've seen one there. There's a great museum here. They they might have one in their collection somewhere. So that's old timey. From the same era as my car, I would have to say the third generation Mazda RX-7. I really like that mm. car. It's very fast. I thought it was very cool looking. I love the way they look. You don't see them a lot though. And I think rotary engines have a hard time holding up when they get older and they're very expensive to rebuild. So people don't fix them. So I would say the outside of my car, the 2000 GT, and then the R1, the sport version of the third generation Mazda RX-7.
1: So Keith, who's an ARC member and he also mods our Reddit page, asks, a producer approaches you today and they want to turn astonishing legends into a TV show. What's your vision? And do you both host it wearing trench coats and copious fog or is it just L.A. smog? <laughs>
2: uh Hmm. Well, Scott. First on this? No, yeah, I'll go first just because Scott already has a canned uh, pat answer <laughs> uh, every time we thought about this because he's had a lot of exposure to uh, television production through his wife, who's been a TV comedy writer uh, for a long time. Has now. had her own show. Has and had her own TV show, which I've you know been around uh, somewhat connected to the development of that, at least kept tabs on it and seen the whole process. I myself, yeah, I went to film school and I've had lots of friends that have been... Uh, have gone on to that and been successful in movies and TV, mostly behind the camera. So I'm aware of that. And I guess together we're both aware of what TV and movies and the industry can do to you. <laughs> and that's why, and people say like, Oh, you went to film school. Why aren't you directing movies? I'm like oh, I, I saw, yeah. I've All watched. I can tell you is that it involves getting shafted. <laughs> yeah, well, career wise and creatively, So we're very aware of, you know, what happens to you or what can, Scott, probably more closely, me through a lot of friends that have gone through the production process. No one is going to put either either one one of us, uh, you know. In front of a camera. Well, no, (laughs) you have to realize what you are. So again, if somebody came to us, we're just not going to be starstruck. And like, yes, a TV show, finally. It's like, no, we we know what goes into that. Well, and part of the freedom that we
0: have as podcasters and with our show, as I'm sure everyone knows, is that we have the choice to, as Forrest says, keep talking about it until we get done <laughs> talking about it. With a TV show or a format like that that's going to appear on broadcast anyway, they're going to give you a finite amount of time. And that inherently... Waters down what you have the ability to share, especially when it comes to something as deep as the stuff that we uncover. We're just not going to get there in 22 minutes, or which is how much you get for a half an hour. And for an hour, I think
2: now it's down to yeah. 44 maybe. I don't want to be restricted that way. A lot of it's driven by money yeah. and ego and control. This is whatever he thinks like, oh, we got a TV show, millionaires, yeah. you know, millions of dollars you're, make, you're making doing that. Well, coming out of the gate, Not so likely. Yeah. You're going to be making all that, unless it turns into a huge hit. So just ask anybody who's had a success when they first started, what kind of paycheck they were getting. And if it turns into a hit... How your agents and your managers will bump that up because now you're, you have a proven track record. Well, the goal is syndication, which on television right. you don't
0: hit until you get to, go figure, 100 episodes, <laughs> which is go. generally five years, roughly 20 episodes a year. If you get to 100, then you can sell the show into syndication to some other network that can run it all the time. And that's when you really make a fortune, but n- almost no show gets there. And I just like being the boss of my own
2: company. Thank you well that, that is that is the uh, you hit the uh, the nail on the head there because with high salaries for everybody and these things looking really sharp, well, it takes millions of dollars to make it look that way and to pay everybody, and with that comes notes it's yes. it's notes from whoever's holding the purse strings, notes from the network, notes from the studio again, it's control and it's egos and it's a lot of money. And here's the thing that I I was just telling people at a dinner party a few nights ago when they asked me about the podcast, the best thing about it, no one can cancel you.
0: Yes. (laughs) A podcast.
2: With movies, it's different. They just don't call you again. With TV, it's like, ah, you had three episodes, now you're canceled. Yeah. So everyone's definitely afraid of that because they've got houses and families to support and feed and So you go along with it because you have to. And here it's like, look, we're very thankful we have a few sponsors. We've got great support on Patreon. As long as that keeps coming in, we can keep doing this. And no one can tell us to stop, really. Except, you know, the fans can all go away. And at that point, we'll get the hint.
1: Don't.
2: We (laughs) we could still keep doing it. And uh, no one's telling us not to. As Scott said, we're our own bosses, for better or worse.
1: So Mike from the Facebook group asks... Did you ever think you'd have this kind of feedback and support? And where do you guys see this show in a couple of years? Do you have any goals?
0: That's been an interesting thing to watch unfold. Feedback and interaction has been really interesting because it went from not much at all to... We were always getting emails right out of the gate, but at a point we could manage them for a long time. It's
2: proportionate to the audience size. Yeah. not everybody's the kind of person that's going to take the time to go write uh, or ask questions. They're just satisfied with just listening to whatever we're blathering on about and be done with it. I think for me, the biggest surprise was, I mean,
0: our Twitter audience has been growing for a while which I enjoy. That's a really direct way to interact. It's very easy to maintain. That's yeah, what I like about Twitter. Yeah, it's easy to answer. You're, yeah. you're limited, Yeah, you know. And Facebook, I love as well. It's a different beast. But I think the thing that surprised me the most was Tess, when you and Quade, who is also in the research core, his story has been part of the Archipelago stories, or you're going to hear it. When you guys said, hey, let's set up a Facebook group. And I was like, I didn't really understand how that was different from the page we already had. And I would have to say, that, frankly, I fault Facebook for that. They have a confusing front end, in my opinion. <laughs> you get messages, you don't know which page they came in on, you you get an alert, and you want to go answer it, and then you go in there, and it's like 25 minutes to find out where that, it yeah, is. Yeah, that's
2: where we kind of stop, because, I, again, I should be getting back to research. Oh, yeah,
0: they stink at that. But this group, when you made it, I could not believe how explosive it filled up, like how quickly it grew to, what is it now, 4,000 members or 3 or 4,000 or something like that? It's like
1: 4,100.
0: And that's amazing. And our page already had, you know, now it has 11 or 12,000 likes. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many people intersect there, but... I was really surprised. And I was also surprised by the difference in the nature of the interaction at the group, which is really cool. And I, I love going in there and just seeing it's like a little world. You don't have to water it or anything. Everybody's just in there. Little things are happening and people are talking. It's like a talk about like a virtual environment, but then we can hop in and participate in things. And it's really, really cool. So I didn't, I certainly didn't anticipate that level of interaction. I think it's really cool. I feel like we wanted to tell cool stories and talk about the things that we like to talk about, and I would never dreamed that there would be so many people that were looking for a show like ours, as it appears <laughs> to be, and I'm, I'm very yeah. I'm flattered and humbled by it.
1: I would just like to say thank you to the Facebook group. I talk to a lot of you every day, and I post discussion questions, and I'm either laughing, crying, or Googling whatever you guys are posting. Um, As a researcher, I didn't really have any fan interaction, you know, and I didn't really want it. I'm definitely a behind-the-scenes girl, which is why you're now hearing me for the first time on episode 100 when I started on episode 23. There was a whole sneezing incident. It's very dramatic. Anyway, I'm... (laughs) Um, But I just want to say thank you so much. It's just been so great to talk to everyone and and see that my research and the work that everyone in the ARC does is so appreciated by you guys. I know it's made a difference in every single person who's behind the show.
0: Yeah, that group would not be what it is without you. And you both and Quaid also helping with the admin stuff in there and just creating it and being so interactive and also test doing our blog entries and keeping the webpage fresh and all that stuff. We really can't thank you enough for everything you do to keep the show going. And
2: if you ever leave us... Uh, we'll probably go under. <laughs> but we just, we just. It'll, You'll have uh, just to drag all, me away. <laughs> all social media will just stop. So it'll just be the show. That was kind of an idea. I thought uh, again. I love the mysterious, where you just release episodes, and they're so compelling and so weird and mysterious, but you don't know who the person is. Like there's zero presence on the web. Yeah. Well, it's like the curator. Yeah. The, the collector. The You collector. know, the, uh, who's behind all these mysterious objects in the cenoteum? Yeah. Well what you realize like building a uh, a podcast it's hard to do that you know because a lot of it is interacting with people that builds audience so much of it is still what's the number 80 90% is word of mouth yeah as far yeah. as people uh, finding out about you and recommending it to friends so it'd be hard to really grow something unless it was just a freaky you know you had a hit on your hands and and uh, people were doing it naturally going viral but you know my big idea when we were starting it's like let's have this be really interactive. You know, a lot of these subjects, you, we don't talk about amongst our, even our closest friends because it makes them uncomfortable. We find that ourselves with some friends of ours that Scott and I We're great about everything else and, and they wouldn't mind it. You know, they're not going to get offended if we brought something up, but they have nothing to add to it because it just doesn't interest them. Yeah. It's just not something they feel comfortable talking about. Some do, but they only have little bits of it. We are all in a rare collective here where these things really interest us. And, you know, from skeptic to true believer and everybody in between, whatever your stance is, is that you do like hearing about this. You do want to talk to it and you don't want to get shut down or made fun of. And that's the space that we've tried to create. Now, having done that, we do often feel overwhelmed because... We really do want to be more interactive and get in there and mix it up with people and contribute. And, uh, you know, part of this question is, where do we see ourselves in a couple of years? And it's part of a kind of an answer to a previous question. Well, I would like to see this show really fine-tuned because we're both kind of Kaizen fans where it's like continuous improvement. How can we refine this process? So we're all enjoying it more. So we're not dumping a bunch of, uh, you know, 10 hours of material into our editor's lap and our sound designer's lap and Tess's lap to do all this (laughs) follow-up stuff. How can we get this more refined and organized? So it was more of a a well-oiled machine and we can then enjoy the show and the fan interaction and uh, our own personal lives, whatever, the, whatever, the, <laughs> you know, whatever that might be. not a big be. deal,
1: just your lives. Yeah, yeah Just exactly. It's
2: just all the other stuff because I didn't have a lot going on anyway, at, at least at this point. Now that you get older, you're not out uh, as much, but... Um, no happy you, hours? <laughs> there are a few. It's like we try and get out, but you do realize sometimes that you're turning down stuff because we have this. This comes first. This has to. Now there are people not only listeners who uh, would, you know, expecting something to hear and enter, be entertained by, but the rest of us who, whatever little money we can spread around, who are expecting us to do this and, and, and not be flakes and to keep producing <laughs> and doing it on time. And as far as us envisioning that, when you, you go to the first part of this question, what led up to this? What gave us this idea to do this is that, I always think of it and uh, remember it as us kind of simultaneously coming up with this idea I can't remember if we were even chatting about something paranormal, but it's like, dude, we could do a podcast. Yeah. We, and it's like, yeah, we could, we have the knowledge already, you know, and hats off to those people, again, like Chelsea's who had to go out and and learn all that stuff, learn sound editing and what programs and what mic should they get? What are the best headphones? We already kind of knew some of that stuff. Ours has been trying to refine ourselves as quote unquote on air personalities Mm-hmm. Where we are smoother and easier to listen to because there are a few people out there where you read and you probably experience yourself where it's a, them doing that on air. It's good material, but the delivery's not as smooth as you might have liked. So it's a little harder to listen to. So if we can do that and fine tune this thing, it just gets better and better as much as we can make it that way. Like a Porsche 911. And then we quit. To make the same car for <laughs> 40, 50 years. And then once it Car's happens on good. episode 200, we just stop. Like, yeah. there we go. It's just it's not gonna pr- get it's perfect. Either. It's yeah. exactly perfect. And we're all done now. We ain't there It's
0: either.
1: happening again.
0: <laughs> well, this was a lot of fun, Tess. Thank you for selecting some questions there for us. We still have, uh, looks like about 10 or 11 that we're going to run by the actual ARC members when we get them together for episode 100, part two. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. It's all confusing now. Also, thanks for taking the time to get on the phone with us and help us uh, host this little bonus episode. Sure thing. So we'll be back next week with part two of episode 100. Well, we'll see. By then it'll be <laughs> 101.
2: Yeah, well, it'll, it'll when be... It, uh, technically it's really 102 because we already had a
0: bonus episode.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the big debate. Is Do we count everything that we post in the main feed yeah because if we
0: did then well, there's the bonus, a because t- there was we did a little off. trailer once for the Summerton yeah. man yeah we can't do all anyway that. we'll get it together you'll hear something see we're still refining it folks all right <laughs> Well, thanks very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week when we'll be back with the ARC panel for the final part of that and a couple of, uh, well, more than a couple of super scary stories from some of the actual members of the Astonishing
2: Research Corps, one that has been keeping me up at night. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to support our sponsors. They keep the show free and the lights on in Blanket Fortiana. Special thanks to John Bolin. Our show is edited by Sarah Wendell, and our theme,
0: which is available as a ringtone, is by Judson Crane. Sound design is by Ryan McCullough. Special thanks to The ARC and its lead researcher, Tess Feifel.
2: But most importantly, we want to thank you, our listeners. Visit our store at AstonishingLegends.com or interact with us and other listeners on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find us at Patreon.com
0: AstonishingLegends if you'd like to support the show in that way. Copyright, Astonishing Legends Productions. Good night.